Okay, we really need to get on with recording this episode. Ah, but look at all those YouTube videos I've found. Ooh, puppies wearing hats. the Side Hustle Success Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Horns, and I'm joined by my co-host, Kevin Taylor. This is a show for anyone who has a product or business idea and wants to go full-time on it eventually, or maybe you already have. This is a show about product design, entrepreneurs, freelancers, contractors, free agents, digital nomads, and anything in between. In this episode, we're going to be talking about the problem of procrastination and mental roadblocks, which can get in your way and be detrimental to productivity for your side hustle. Okay, so before we uh, crack on with that, have you, how have you been getting on, Kevin? Uh, yeah, I'm getting, uh, much, I'm, uh, my wife's expecting a baby, uh, which will be due approximately sometime around the middle of October. So we've been buying all the stuff that you need, all the baby equipment, the furniture, all the other prams and bits and bobs. So we're doing a lot of that. Um, and just, just really, really getting down down with, with all that kind of stuff. But I mean, what, what have you been up to this this week? Uh, so for me, I've now finished my Pluralsight course and that's been sort of fully submitted. Okay, congratulations. And, uh, well, it's not quite finished yet, so it has to, it has to go through uh, peer review and uh, QA checks and all that sort of stuff. So there might be a few things I have to fix and sort of patch, but apart from that, it's pretty much ready to go. So what I'm doing now is I have to script and record a trailer and I also have to write all the assessment questions. So after each module in the course, you can like do a load of assessments to test how you've retained that knowledge during the course. Okay, yeah, yeah. So I've just got all those questions to write. So yeah, it's sounds, a, sounds good. Pretty, pretty, pretty another, exciting. Another uh, landmark. The other thing, actually, the other thing that we we've done is we're working on a new product, which is um, going to be a timber beam calculator for the UK market. Okay. So we're hoping to launch a beta version of that very shortly. Um, and I've got to have a meeting with Nick and sort of go through it and test bits and we've got to alter the product before we launch it for beta and then obviously we'll go to beta try existing users and they'll test it and give feedback and then we'll work from that um, and there might be some new products that come from the feedback as well so that's another thing we're working on I, I guess that's is that kind of useful for people who are doing sort of like very traditional sort of barn conversions uh, a bit of a mixture sort of... yeah T- timbers used uh, in a lot of roof structures um, in a lot of buildings um, so yeah yeah uh, lots of applications yeah it could be sort of traditional barn constructions or, or just a myriad of different type of timber structures so yeah no uh, there's been a lot of demand for it but I've had like customers ring me up and ask for this product so oh, cool. there's a real burning desire from, from existing steel beam calculators this is the next big product that everybody's been asking for so we've got to build it in terms of building it, is it is it drastically different to how a steel steel beam calculator? Is um, yeah, it is. It is different. I mean, we can use a lot of the same code though, so there is some overlap. But it is sort of very different how it works. Though. But yeah, not not completely different, but there is differences. Cool. Sounds like you got a very uh, busy time ahead of you. Yeah, especially yeah, with, uh, with baby, baby number two. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot. lot Interestingly, so I mean. Because we're actually batch recording a load of episodes up front, so that when, when, <laughs> yeah. when Kevin does go off onto his paternity leave, he hasn't got to uh, worry about recording episodes for yeah, a few weeks. We're hoping to get a few in the can, so we don't have to worry about. So actually, when this episode actually goes out, you'll be very close to the due date. Yeah, yeah, for sure, yeah. Yeah, it's just a bit exciting times. So we're hoping to take at least two or three weeks. Well, I did it at three weeks, if not more off. 
which would be nice. I want to do the whole four-hour work week <laughs> there, sort of at last. So that would give me an incentive to actually do it. So it would be nice. It'll be fine. We, we, we've had two two kids and... Actually, I think, should, should I put your mind at rest and say it's easy? Yeah, no, you should do, yeah. I yeah. Don't, everybody's been saying how hard it is. And no, it's it, it, worrying it, me, I think. It, it is hard. It's hard work. I think you forget, don't you, how hard the first one was. You know, and then, yeah. But, and I'm sure it'll be fine, but it is... It's, every, every, every baby's different. So our first daughter, Amy, she was... She was kind of difficult, but kind of okay. But then when we had a second, not only have you got to deal with the crying baby and all the stress that that brings, but then you've got the older child who gets very jealous because you're not spending all the time with them. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, no, I'm dreading it. Yeah, it's going to be... I hope I've not scared you. <laughs> no, it's going to be an adventure, I think. I think it's going to be interesting. Okay, so for today's questions, uh, our first question is by Walt on Twitter. And he asks, um, I usually feel overwhelmed by the amount of work I have to complete. Do you ever feel like this? And do you use any tools to help you? Um, I, I don't really use any tools. Um, I think sometimes when you're overwhelmed, sometimes you have to step back from it. I tend to find like last night I had like a, 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 a sort of building troll sent me a series of questions regarding a project. And I was like, I give up. I want to, I don't want to do this anymore. I was like, I hate it. And then sort of sleeping on it and coming back to the morning, I'm just able to answer. I think having that break sometimes helps a little bit, just to, sometimes you feel like it's too much and sometimes you just need a break from it. And sometimes you come back and you're refreshed and you can just take it on head on. I think sometimes it's sometimes hard starting a task, but once you get started, it's actually easier than you think. Um, but it is it is real tricky. Sometimes you have to perhaps think about what you do, what's important and what's not important. So. Um, work work on the most important tasks first and perhaps some if they're not important just don't do them you know I don't know I don't think any tools can really help or can they yeah I guess they're more like kind of mental tools and tricks I guess I mean I'm, I'm kind of similar so I'll you know I use Trello to kind of plan what I'm doing from a project point of view and what I'm doing day to day and I've always got the priority things I'm supposed to be doing you know like scripting a pluralsight course for example is quite a lot of work and it's you're basically writing this big long document yeah some days I just I'm just not in the mood for doing that. So I kind of have a list of smaller things that I need to do, kind of really small, easy, mindless tasks, which I know I need to do, but I don't really need to concentrate too much on. Ah, okay. So I've always got like a long list of those ready to go if I need to, if, if I'm just not in the headspace for doing anything too creative. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's sometimes, I think sometimes you give yourself a break and then come back to refreshed and, and really take something on. But it is always hard. Sometimes you do feel overwhelmed, especially when it's, you know, you're self-employed and you're doing your own thing, it, it's always a lot to do and there's not people there to help you as well. And it, sometimes it's making those difficult decisions as well that can be, you know, and sometimes making really technical decisions on things. I assume it's probably your course, you've got to think of the technicalities of what you're doing. It, it's it's a lot of mental yeah. effort, isn't it? Which is really, really hard work. So it's, yeah, something quite often you do feel overwhelmed, but yeah, I think you just have to kind of crack on with it and, and think what's important and what's not. And if you just can't quite do a task, just take a break and then come back into it and hopefully you've just got enough energy to push through. Yeah, I mean, most lunchtimes I like to go out for a walk. So yeah. Because we're here in Cromford in Derbyshire. I mean, it's a very beautiful area. So we've got a really nice canal with big yeah. rolling hills. So more often than not, I'll just go for a walk for half an hour down there. And that kind of helps clear your head a bit when you get back to the office. Yeah, I think sometimes you need that time, like those, those breaks, don't you, just to push through. I think I, I did read in a book that you can only concentrate for like four hours. You know, really deep work, yeah. really for like four hours each day, and it's hard to do more than that. You know, I think sometimes you reach a limit of what you can, you sort of like burn out, don't you? I think once you push it too far, so I think you have to be a bit careful, don't you? you have to sort yeah. of really use that focus really intelligently, don't you? 
to get I the most out of it. It's important as well not to be so hard on yourself. You don't have to be operating at peak performance, productive performance all the time because it's, it's not really sustainable. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, one thing I'd say towards if you're in a situation like that, don't be too hard on yourself. You know, if, yeah. if, if you're trying to do some work and it's just not going well, take the rest of the day off. Yeah, you know, yeah. If, taking a bit of time out sometimes isn't isn't going to be too detrimental. To yeah, your business. I, I was feeling quite overwhelmed yesterday, and I think uh, just having a break from it and then coming back this morning, I've sort of, sort of took it on, and it's not that bad actually. I think, and also being organised really works. If you write a detailed to do list and then you work out what days you're going to do this task and then what days you're going to do that task, you know, rather than getting bogged down with a, a sea of tasks of things to do, if you can just break it down into different things and say, I'm going to do this at this point, and then. You sort of get through it, don't you? But it is hard, though, isn't it? It's, that's, that's overwhelm is, is tricky, isn't it, in this day and age? Yeah, it, running a business is not easy. Okay, so our second question is from Sam, and he says, do you, have, do you ever have days where you feel like giving up and going back to normal employment? Um, I used to. I don't think I do now. I think very much when I was starting out, um, it can be quite lonely when you're on your own. Um, I'm, I'm sort of semi-extroverted. I'm sort of like an ambivert, so it's somewhere between introvert and extrovert. So I think being on my own, as you are quite often as an entrepreneur mm. at the start at least, it, it's really quite hard. You know, and there's some days when things weren't going well and you've got nobody to talk to about it and it's just kind of, you're getting bogged down with all these things. You can think, actually, would I be better off just doing a normal job? Especially at the start when the money's not there. I think it's getting better now, like yeah. the incentives to do it now. And I see the benefits of it now. You know, I'm seeing more of the benefits now of it as, as the business is progressing. But yeah, there's plenty of days when I feel like, you know, I just want to give up and just get a day job. It would it be easier or less stressful? I was talking to a friend and he, he just has a job and he's like, yeah, I get to like five o'clock, switch the computer off and just go home. That's it. Don't have to worry about work. Mm. And I thought, oh, God, I wish I could do that, you know. But I'm like eight o'clock still, like checking emails and things and worrying about yeah, things, I've, you know. Yeah, I've, I've always found it very hard to switch off. I mean, oh. I've never really thought about going back to a day job. I don't think I could go back to a day job. I think I'd, I'm so used to doing things my way now, I think I'd probably get fired quite quickly <laughs> if I went back to a day Actually, job. Actually, yeah, I don't think I'd be a very good employee, to be honest. Um, I, I'd, I'd hate the commute now, having, you know... Or, like at least when I commute now, if I had to say go and work from a co-working space or, or whatever, it's my choice. I can go when I want to avoid traffic or whatever, you know, I can pick the times I want. Whereas if you have to be at a particular location at a particular time, you kind of have to fight everybody else who's trying to mm. get to that same place at the same time. So it's sometimes harder, isn't it, you know? So um, I think I'd struggle with that. And also being structured, somebody else telling you what to do when, and I think that would be quite annoying. I don't know, what do you feel? Could you go back to working for somebody now? Uh. Well, if I had to, then I would, but I would... I mean, it wouldn't be terrible, would it? You know, it wouldn't be terrible. I mean, no. if you, you do what you have to do. If you have to go back to a self-employed... Uh, sorry, if you have to go back to a normal employment job, then that's kind of what you have to do. But So I think, I'll, you know, if I had to, I would. But I would... I think I'd struggle. I think I'd struggle doing it. Yeah, I think I would now. Um, but yeah, no, it's a tricky one. It's tricky one, but it's something... We'll have these struggles, don't we? Okay, so thanks to Walt and Sam. There's some great questions there. Okay, so for the topic today, I want to talk a bit about uh, kind of mental roadblocks, the things that can kind of get away or get in the way in your mind and sort of stop you from being productive. Yeah. And um, this is based on a blog post I wrote uh, a while ago, back in May this year, called Removing Mental Roadblocks from Your Work. So I'm going to kind of talk through some of the things that are in that blog post. I've put a link to the post in the, uh, yeah. in the show notes. So I thought, first of all, we'll kind of split it down into two bits. We'll talk about some of the sort of common mental roadblocks which could kind of you know, get in your way. 
and then we'll talk a bit about kind of how you can overcome some of those roadblocks. Mm. And then, you know, so obviously if you've had experience with any of these, Kevin, then please do. Uh, yeah, well, yeah. Please, I mean, please, uh, please do yeah. chime in. Yeah, there's many, many things that we all struggle with. So the first one then I want to talk about is lack of decision. So not being able to make decisions um, can really affect your ability to be productive. Yeah, for sure, yeah. And, you know, so that could be, you know, do I work on, you know, A or B or do I employ this person or that person? Is you know that kind of not being able to make a decision when you yeah, need to can kind of really get in your way. I think it can be tricky. I, I tend to be it's where it's making decisions that affect people, so or employees or business partners. I mean, I've, I've always found that difficult. You know, where you, sometimes even you have to make an unpopular decision. You sort of don't do it, and really you should. It, it, I find that difficult. Um, I don't know if you're the same. You know. Where you have to make those difficult decisions. Yeah, the I mean, ones you kind of put off, you know, and you shouldn't really. They're, they're the problems you should do first, but you don't, you know, because it's having to do something you don't want to do. Oh yeah, I mean, forcing yourself to do some of the really sort of rubbish tasks. Well, yeah, rubbish tasks, or, or perhaps if you have a freelancer and you need to tell them something that's going to be unpopular with them, or, or another person, you know, it's, it's the people decision I struggle with. Personally. Yeah, I mean, that's my, my, my last sort of four, you know, proper jobs as it were I was uh, more in management position so that would be something you quite commonly you'd have to do especially if you need to arbitrate like a dispute between employees so you know you've got a group of people that want to go in one direction and a group of people that want to go another direction they can't make their own mind up so they come to you to make a decision for them oh, okay yeah. Um, yeah which is something I've never really enjoyed doing because you're always going to upset someone yeah to make also you might have to make an unpopular decision that's the right decision sometimes yeah and that's that's difficult isn't it I think that's partly why I like the fact that I haven't got any staff at the minute because the only person I can upset is myself. Yeah, and no, I'm the same. I do have a business partner, and we do have somebody that does support, and a, a few other people that sort of work, work for us on a freelance basis. But it's it's uh, yeah, we're the same. We're not we don't have a big team, um, so it's it's easier, isn't it, than a traditional yeah. business setup. So another uh, roadblock that can get in the way is when you uh, compare yourself to other people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you know. Focusing on other people's achievements can sometimes be a bit overwhelming because it might make you think to yourself, well, this person's doing really well. Who does a similar thing to me? And I'm not doing quite as well. And that yeah. can actually be a bit of a roadblock to some people, which can be quite debilitating, I think. I think we do get this kind of what they call like imposter syndrome where we think, are we, you know, as good as we are? Or, you know, it, it, it can be a bit like that. I think I think it helps. I think social media is a lot of the problems with this, you know. Um, yes. It, it doesn't necessarily help because... The way people portray themselves in social media isn't really sometimes the reality of how things actually are. You know, sometimes you, the way that they present themselves might not be the right. They're probably just as struggling as much as everybody else, and they have their own problems. They're on their own journey. Yeah. But you don't always see all of that, do you? It's not obvious. I've, I've noticed that more probably on Facebook than anything. Um, I'm really starting to fall out of favour with things like Facebook at the moment. So, like mm. the exact example that you said there. I mean, there's some people that I'm very good friends with who I know. You know. I won't, I won't say any names because I really, I really <laughs> yeah. like them as people, but they can be generally quite miserable. But okay. yeah, you see their posts on Facebook, and you'd think that you know everything is like unicorns and rainbows. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's it's probably just portray you know your best side, don't you? Or, yeah. or you know you don't. Um, so yeah, so you gotta be careful what what you you know see somebody's blog post and they say how well they're doing. You know that might not be reality of that much marketing spiel or you know or they're trying to portray themselves in such a way yeah, for mean, whatever reason. You know, so you do have to be careful. Um, on I think you have to concentrate on what you're doing and be happy with your work. And then if you think I'm my work's providing value to to my users or audience or whatever, 
you know, you think you've got to concentrate on, on what you can do and not what other people are doing. But it's, it's hard, isn't it? I think that is, that is tricky. I think you're going to get stuck thinking somebody else is better than you. So what's all they've done something better than you could do. So don't bother doing it. You know, it's, mm. it's, it's difficult. I would just probably like that with plural sites because then I don't know if there's people are doing something similar to what you're doing. You think, are they doing it better? Or... Absolutely. I mean, there's some authors on there who we, uh, you know, we, we jokingly called the famous ones. Um, you know, some some people from like Australia and in the US, you know, who do exceptionally well. But you know, I, there's, there's kind of two ways I could look at that. I could look at that and think, why are your course is doing better than mine? You're making all this extra money. You know, I, I could look at it that way. I don't. You know, I actually kind of look up to these people. So you know, you're having all these successes. You know, you've released twice the amount of courses what I have. You know, you've got really good audience engagement fantastic and instead of like trying to use it as a roadblock to think about why why aren't i doing as well as that person i think well what can i learn from what they're doing to help me improve i think you perhaps use it as inspiration for your own stuff can't you as well i think it's good to use it in a positive way Mm, absolutely i mean these these people i'm talking to i'm not saying names but i'm actually very good friends with these people anyway so we always meet up on the conference circuit and we always discuss how we're doing and swap ideas so yeah so comparing yourself to other people or competitors I don't think it's that healthy. I think you should certainly look at what other people are doing and competitors are doing yeah. and, learn, and try and learn from it. Because I think you can probably sort of gain some good insights. But I, yeah, I wouldn't use it. It's, I think what we tend it, to do it, is difficult. With, uh, with software products is we try and concentrate on, on our users and servicing our users rather than what competitors are doing. You know, as long as we keep them happy and we're providing what they want, that's more important, I think, than what competitors are doing sometimes. So the next one I want to talk about is kind of the idea of having a bit of a blurred vision, uh, which is where you kind of get fixed on one way of doing something. Okay, yeah. yeah. And very, very common in software development especially. So you, you have kind of one idea in your mind of how to solve a particular type of problem, and you'll always attack that problem in that particular way. So you, you kind of like have the blinkers on, you kind of go very blurred vision or tunnel vision into solving one type of problem without kind of investigating any of the other areas that are out there. Okay, or yeah. other ways it's, it's almost like problem. keeping within your comfort zone of what you you know or yeah absolutely um so so it's perhaps looking at new ideas and stepping outside of that fixed mentality isn't it and it can it can be a bit debilitating because if you're very blinkered on how you're going to solve a particular type of problem but the results aren't that good sometimes you can think well you know i've always done it this way so i'm going to keep it that way and that I can kind of be a bit conflicting in your mind. I've, I've certainly been guilty of this before. So I'm from a software development background, and you know, every, you know, everyone writes code differently. If you ask ten programmers to implement the same thing, you'll get ten completely different solutions. Yeah, yeah. which is kind of cool. Which is part of the creativity of software development. But it's very important to try to train yourself into a way where, if you're trying to tackle a problem, you want to try different ways of doing it. It's kind of a bit like the uh, MVP. Okay, yeah, aspect of yeah. trying to start a business where you're doing a minimum viable product. Sometimes you need to experiment and try different ways of doing something before you actually implement something properly or for Okay, real. yeah, yeah. But so it, it, that can be a bit of a roadblock because if you're going to do something one particular way and the results aren't that good, sometimes you can think, well, this is the way I've always done it. I'm not going to investigate any other ways of doing it. I'm just going to try and hack around this one, one yeah, particular solution. Yeah, be the best solution, yeah. I think, it, I think it's perhaps being open to new possibilities, isn't it, to get around that problem or perhaps have to take a bit of time out and thinking about a problem mm. more holistically or, or looking back to your customers or other feedback data, you know, and, and, and looking at that or perhaps doing some research about how to do something differently. So the next one, um, 
I wanted to mention about it, it's kind of like an uncertainty of how to, how you're going to actually tackle a problem. So sometimes we'll have, you know, a project which we're going to do, like, like your um, timber beam calculator, for example. When you look at it from the outside in, it looks like a huge monumental piece of work. And sometimes you can kind of doubt yourself about how you're ever actually going to get through this um, task or project. Okay, yeah. yeah. I mean, is, is that kind of something that you felt when you built your uh, products? No, not really. I mean, because all our products have been relatively straight. And they started out relatively straightforward. Obviously, things happen, they grow and evolve. And um, But not, not, not really. I've always been quite certain about, in terms of the products, what, what we're going to do, you know. Um, it's it's a tricky one, there, isn't it? Um, I suppose I, I'm the opposite to that. Whenever I start a new course for Pluralsight, you know that that kind of day where I sit down and say, like, right, today's the day where you know we sign the contracts. I'm now committed to doing this course. I, I look at the entire thing and the amount of work you have to do, and I'm oh, like, it must be intimidating. I'm like, it? oh my god. Yeah, like, there are there are times when you do feel like that, and um, and that's more in sort of the middle of a project I think sometimes you think oh is it ever going to finish you know or... oh absolutely I mean, I mean the course I'm doing at the minute is a bit of a smaller one and, and I did that deliberately because the course I released before this one which is about blockchain okay. was an absolutely huge amount of work to do and at several points through that I thought I've, how on earth am I going to I'm not going to complete it I've bitten off way more than I can chew because it was a really really complex project lots of really complex code it was very difficult to try and explain clearly Okay, yeah, it's it a, a mammoth project, yeah. And it, and it actually, at several points, I was actually starting to doubt my own ability to finish the course. Yeah. Which, when you build courses for a living, is not a good mindset <laughs> yeah. to be in. You need that confidence that you're going to finish the project that you've started. The I course. mean, in the end, it all worked out very well. You know, the course is currently ranked at five out of five on all the ratings, and it's doing really well, so... Yeah, I kind of got there, yeah. but that journey to get into completing that course, there's a lot of uncertainty that I'd actually be able to complete yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, how, how do you overcome those kind of problems then? Do you just break it down into smaller, you know, pieces or yeah. what do you... Yeah, that's, that's kind of exactly how you do it. So courses are split down into modules, modules are split down into individual video clips. Yeah. You know, yeah. You, you kind of have a high level plan of how the course is structured before you actually start it, because you have to do that. So you make it into, the the into smaller bite-sized pieces just to get around that problem of taking on a huge problem. Yeah, so, so on the blockchain course, as an example, I, the first thing I did is I wrote all of the code for all of the course. Because it's kind of like a working sample that you build up over the entire course. So I did the entire thing first, just to make I sure I actually fully could see what it was I was trying to build. To make sure it works. <laughs> yeah, to make sure it worked. That'd be bad when you get to the end and the thing doesn't work. <laughs> That'd be a bit embarrassing. So yeah, so breaking things down into much smaller milestones is kind of key here so it doesn't matter how small the piece of work is that you do if you achieve one small thing you're slightly further ahead than yeah, what, than what you like was this, before you like thing. There was somebody who used to recommend just like writing and say 100 words a day and if you write a book just write down like a, mm. you know whatever it is 500 words if you're really adventurous you know it's like breaking it down into it makes it easier doesn't it um, so if you're going to build like a big product perhaps just build a module at a time or a, a feature at a time or whatever it is you know or part of that project and then eventually it'll after so many years, after five years, you would have built quite a big product mm. then. But obviously, if you if you thought at the start, I'll just build this whole product, it would have been just too much, you know. Yeah, I mean, I've had, I've had lots of uh, conversations with like different authors at Pluralsight, and I guess this kind of translates to other projects as well, but people have very different ways of building products. I mean, one guy I know will script the entire course, he'll record the entire course in one go, then he'll edit it all in one go. And that works for him, whereas for me, I, that just... I feel myself getting anxious just thinking about that. Mm, yeah. Whereas I, you know, 
script, record, edit, submit a module, then I move on to the next one. And I, I kind of break it down that way and that helps me. Whereas my other friend, that would probably drive him mad doing it that way. Cause that's just yeah. not how his mind works. So, yeah, everyone's different, but if you find yourself, you know, being a bit uncertain about where you can actually get something completed, yeah. and, you, and you feel that anxiety building up, do, just, um, just do do smaller tasks. Yeah, I know lo- lots of lots of uh, software developers, and they all tend to be they, they can be quite faffy. They're faffers. If you heard this thing called faffers, and then there's also going about people that are faffers, you know, that are procrastinators. You know, I mm. think it's part of the temperament of people that are developers. I tend to find this a lot more, more so perhaps less, you know, with salespeople that are kind of quite certain and they know what they want to do. But I think with developers, there is that kind of uncertainty. I don't know if it's a confidence thing or, or what it is, you know. Yeah, possibly. Or perhaps it's because there's just so much in terms of all the technical side that they're considering, you know, there's, there's, there's lots of moving pieces, isn't there, things to worry about. Developers like to tinker. Yeah, they're, they're, they're sort of inventors, tinkerers. And yeah, so they sort of play around with things, but not actually get to the, the end goal. I mean, when I... Um, I used to run, well, I've run quite a few software teams, but you, you could always put people into different categories. And I can't remember what questionnaire it was that this came from. Um, but there's this kind of questionnaire we did with people. Was it Belbin? Or was it a different one? I, I can't remember. Yeah, I've not heard of that one. But ultimately, it says, you know, are you a completer finisher? You know, are, are you someone who can actually see something to the end? Oh, okay. Or are you someone that's really good at innovating, but you're absolutely rubbish at getting something finished? And uh, okay. So I found, you know, I, I had people in my team who were very much like that. So I had some people that, you know, you'd give them a really complex task and they'll invent a solution for it. But ask them to get it through QA and all the test environments and into production, useless. They, they couldn't do it. But you have to pair them with other people that have those skills. Yeah, yeah. so on the flip side, so I've got other people that probably aren't the most innovative people around, but they've got that dogged determination where they'll see something through to the end. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, so you, you kind of pair them. You have this person come up with this brilliant solution and another person who'll get it across the finish line. Yeah, I'm kind of hoping that me and Nick, my business partner, that we do have complementary skill sets. I think we do to a certain extent. So I think that, that does work quite well when you've got people different but complementary skills that probably are better as a team than they are, mm. than they are on their own. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Having complementary people as a, as a business partner. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, I haven't got a business partner, so I, just, I, I, have, to I, I have to talk to my you evil You have to find out what your weaknesses are and find something <laughs> yeah. that can address those weaknesses. Okay, so the last mental roadblock I thought I'd mention is just fear or fear of failure. Oh, okay, yeah. So it, yeah. It, kind of go, it kind of leads into the one we just talked about, but the kind of the fear of failing or screwing something up can be absolutely you know, paralyzing for creativity. Yeah, especially, especially what we do as is what we're doing is so open to the public, isn't it? So people see our failures, don't they? So mm. like if we launch something that's like a course or a, or a software product that's on the web and everybody can see it, can't they? If it fails, people see that. There's a fear, isn't there, of putting yeah. your work out there. You know, I don't know, do you feel that, do you? Or? Yeah, yeah, all the time. I mean, take this podcast, for example. I mean, you know, when we released that very first episode um, way back in, when was it? I'm not sure. Well, no, August. Yeah, yeah it was, oh, wow, was it August? Yeah, yeah. So when we released that first episode, I mean, yeah, I, I, I had fear going around in my mind. What if no one listens to it? I, what, I, what, what if everyone turns around and says they hate it? Oh, God, that'd be horrible, wouldn't it? Oh, if you get like hate mail or something, that'd be horrible, wouldn't it? But I mean, uh, I wasn't too worried because I thought when we're doing the podcast, I just can't imagine anybody listening to it. Do, do you know what I mean? I thought oh, it's because it's at the start. I thought oh, if it grows, it'll grow with us and our confidence mm. will grow as our audience grows. I don't know if that will happen or not. It might, it might dwindle and die to nothing. We'll have a few people listening. <laughs> So I hope they continue this, but I'm, I'm not really that scared. Really, I, it's it's. I think I was nervous, you know, but 
Um, that's because I've never done a podcast before, but I, I wasn't too scared that people were going to not like it or hate it. I, w- I wouldn't like to get like hate mail or something, you know, that would be horrible, you know. Oh, like, yeah, that would happen, yeah. you know, that people do podcasts and they get people that are, that are quite nasty about it. I think you just kind of have to ignore that, day Because there just are some people that just, just need help or whatever, you know. But, but I will say at the moment, a big thank you to everyone who has listened, who has oh, given yeah, yeah, some really good you. feedback. So, yeah, 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 yeah it has done get. very well. And also people on Twitter that have suggested questions as well. Mm. That's, that's awesome. It, it's great to have. I think... You know, it's nice when you see somebody who's like listen to a whole podcast and comments yeah. on it. It's always nice. But yeah, so fear can be very debilitating. And, you know, we're all human beings. We all have feelings. You, you don't want to be seen as bad in front of someone else. So, you know, the, the kind of the idea of failing at something and then other people seeing that failure and ridiculing you can be Yeah, I, can, can be I think that maybe, so like, you know, I might not even launch a product if I didn't think it was perfect, you know, because I was worried that what people would think about it, it, it can hold you yeah. back, I think. I remember when I released my first course uh, about four years ago, and I went through all of these emotions. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I think they always say that if you if you uh, if you're not embarrassed by your launch too late, or or what you know, you okay. know if if you if you you know if you if you're embarrassed by it, that's a good thing. It means you've launched quickly, and that's good, you know. Whereas if you're not embarrassed by it, you've launched too late, you know they always say this. I don't okay. know. Have you heard that? Have you or that phrase? I'm not, no, I've not heard that one. But um, so. how did that apply to still beam calculator? <laughs> actually, the first version was quite embarrassing. Actually, people should go. You know, go back on the wayback machine. Have you seen that? Have you? Where you can look at previous yes, versions yeah. of your websites. Have, have a look at the old steel beam calculator. I don't know if you've seen like old like uh, old like pictures of Amazon and old websites hmm. and things. They're really quite embarrassing, aren't they? But I think. Obviously, they're, they're embarrassing, but they're big businesses, successful businesses now. So you think that, you know, you've got to kind of be a bit embarrassed by your first version. If it's if it's too polished and too good, you'd probably spend too long working on it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and not getting feedback from customers and stuff. So, I mean, obviously, you don't launch something that's completely rubbish, but, you know, it's like, it's a balance, isn't it, I think, between getting something out there and getting customer feedback and and having a really polished product, you know. Well, it's like the, the agile mindset, so people are familiar with agile software development it, that is literally what that's about it's about getting things out in front of your customers as quickly as you can so you can elicit that feedback and then iterate and keep yeah. iterating over time okay so we've, we've talked about some of the sort of the common roadblocks that are out there that's what would be interesting just to look at some potential solutions although we've touched on some of them already but the first one really is to try and identify the sources of what's holding you back okay and sometimes this can be something that you do yourself as kind of like your own introspection or Maybe you've got some friends or family members that you want to talk to to try and help you with this. But really what you're trying to do is kind of identify, you know, what the roadblocks are, you know, what is holding you back. I mean, you know, is it, is it a fear of failure? You know, do you, do you identify yourself as a person who will have one way of fixing a problem but won't look at any other ways of doing it? Yeah. And sometimes I find just, just the act of writing these down, for me personally, whenever I do this, I find writing it down physical pen and paper helps. Really, yeah. As, as opposed yeah, to like, you know just getting away from a computer screen. Yeah, it's because I, I have a little notepad, and sometimes I do write down there about visions for the new products I want to launch and, and like where I want to be, sub goals and tasks. It's good to have a little. I have a little, yeah, moleskin notepads. I have one of those. You know, oh yeah, I've got some of them. I do love those. Yeah, they're, they're great and they're just a nice size. You know, they're nice to write notes on. I think so. It's nice to have one of those. But yeah, no, it's sometimes it's good to get it down on pen and paper, isn't it? And, and sort of mull over an idea. It's good to have that sort of alone time with an idea, you know, um, sometimes. I mean, I tend to do this exercise twice a year. Not religiously every six months, but, you know, a couple of points in a year, I'll sort of sit down and have a bit of introspection time where I kind of look at, you know, how am I feeling with what I'm doing at the moment? Is, is there anything that's causing me any particular anxiety? 
Okay, yeah. Um, you know, like I said about the blockchain course I released, I mean, I did this exercise partway through doing that course because I really found that course hard to do. Yeah. Yeah, I knew, I knew the material it was just it was just a lot of work. It was just the sheer so size was, of the project that was. So was I was kind of much. doubting my ability to to see it through at that point, just because of the general level of complexity of it and the amount of moving pieces I had to deal with. So identifying the sources of roadblocks and concerns, writing them down, and speaking through your family will always help for you to you know just just to get it out yeah, there and not, not, not trying to keep it in. Well, I said I did. I sort of do mention the family, but obviously they don't understand the technical aspects of what. I don't know if it's probably the same with what you do. So sometimes it's good to run it through with other founders mm. um, or other business people, or you know, if you've got anybody in your network, a friend who's doing something similar to what you're doing, that's really handy as well. Because I tend to find that with friends and families, they don't quite understand what it is that you do. I don't know if you have the same problem. You know, they don't have the problems that you have, and oh, can't all, always all, relate all the time. Yeah, um, but it, it can help, you know, if they're, if they're open to what you do. But um, sometimes I, I do struggle. Sometimes I guess what's that. probably good in your point of view is you've got the mastermind group that you're a part of. Yeah, as well. so I, guess, yeah, so I guess you must be doing something oh, yeah. like this constantly. Yeah, I do find that we could we do meet up. We're meeting up next week actually, and I do find that invaluable. So um, yeah, if you can join a mastermind group to talk through ideas, do you all meet in person or is it done? Yeah, meet, no, meet in person, okay. um, and I find it really, really useful. It, it's quite nice. I recommend that you you do that. There, there must be like a Plural sites, mastermind group. There's not an official group, but I mean, I've. It's, it's out of anything. Yeah, you know, when you work at a company, you've got your own little clique of mates that you hang around with. Yeah. It's exactly the same with plural site, except, you know, some live in Australia, some live in the US, some live in Belgium, some live in Holland. Um, but, you know, we, we, we always talk and try and help each other out. Yeah, perhaps you could you could um, have some kind of group or something, perhaps a Slack group or something, can you? Or sort of yeah. where you sort of discuss ideas. That would be quite handy, I think, for, for you guys. Okay, so another solution then, and again, we've already touched on this, uh, but it's dealing with small tasks first. So if you have a big problem, you want to try and break it down as much as you can, but then break it down some more. So I find that, and this, this works with me, if I've got a really complex project, even just achieving one small tiny thing. So like when I'm scripting a course, I'll create a new page in OneNote for each module. I'll split each page down into the separate clip headings. And then I'll put links to all my research material in there, and I'll do that as a task. So I've not actually written anything for the course, but I've just tried to like you know plan things out and yeah, kind yeah, of structure my thoughts. It's hard, I mean, to say one like because what we were thinking with the products that we do, we do like a steel beam calculator and a tin beam calculator, etc. But we're going to do like a whole load of calculator tools. Mm. But initially, I wanted to just build them all at once, but it's just too overwhelming. So what we're doing is just building the ones that are most important to our customers based upon customer feedback. Yeah. And then eventually we'll build out a much bigger product, but it's just going to take time, isn't it? But if we break those down into smaller tools, you know, yeah. eventually become like a big, bigger package. But it is hard, isn't it? It is hard, you know, to sort of just, it's like trying to eat a whole, a whole cow at once or something, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're not going to be able to do it, right? but if you just eat, you know, a little, little, little portion every day, you'll get through it, won't you? It's, yeah. it's, it's like breaking it down. It's quite a good bite, analogy, like, actually. But, but I find uh, being very visual with your to-do lists is uh, it really helps? Well, it helps me anyway. I mean, okay, yeah. And the listeners can't see it, but if you look at my whiteboard over there, I've got that bit in the corner down there. Today I will achieve, and I've got a list of things I want oh, to I do. Like that, yeah, I should do. And that. then you know, when I when I f- physically finish something, I go over the big orange pen and I put a tick next yeah, to it. Yeah, I do. I carry around a little A4 piece of paper, and I have my to-do list on there. Mm. Every time I do something, I just tick it off, and then eventually, once the A4 sheet gets full of paper, you know, full of text, I just bin it and make a new one. You know. 
Yeah, but do, do you find it feels kind of satisfying when you put that tick yeah, down? Yeah, yeah, oh, it's a nice feeling, yeah. Yeah, there's, there's a bit too much on the list at the moment, which is, is that's the, when it becomes overwhelming, then you need to sort of, it's that task actually, sometimes I just cross them off and don't even do them if they're not important, or, you know, perhaps like if I'm, I try and schedule them, you know, this will take one day, half a day, or whatever, you know, or try and schedule time to sort of like, because otherwise if you don't have a, a schedule of when you're going to do a task, they sort of become overwhelming, don't they? But if you work them out, I'm going to do this, yeah. I find that, beneficial then, if you like you know, that. Lo- lots of very small wins over time equal, equals to a completed project yeah 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 you just win you win something by one little thing at a time don't you it's all those little tasks all build up to one bigger thing don't they so another thing I find that really helps when you kind of have roadblocks getting in your way is um, just to learn something new sometimes just take a bit of time out and put your mind to something else yeah that's kind of why we're doing one of the reasons why we're doing this podcast I think isn't it to do yeah yeah absolutely so I mean I I personally I mean, you know, I, I do a lot of work for Pluralsight, but I also watch a lot of courses on there as well. And I deliberately watch courses on things which I don't know about. So I, okay, I, I yeah. kind of broaden my horizons. And I've also got accounts on Linda and Udemy, or Udemy, however you pronounce it as well. <laughs> and I find sometimes just watching something different kind of helps. You're like switching off a part of your brain where you learn something else. And then the, the part of the brain that you need to focus on your actual work later gets a bit of a chance to recharge itself. Oh, okay, yeah. I, I yeah, hope there's no uh, hope, hope there's no psychologist listening because I'll, I'll probably just said an absolute <laughs> load of rubbish. But I find that that kind of works for me. It's like there's a there's a website called Masterclass. I don't know if you've seen the adverts. No, I haven't seen that. No. What they do is they um, they build these courses with like famous people who talk about their craft. Okay. Yeah. So there's like one with Hans Zimmer where he talks about how he scores music for films. Okay. Cool, there's yeah. one with uh, Samuel L. Jackson where he talks about his acting process. Okay. There's, yeah, there's yeah. a load of like famous chefs and writers who just talk about how they do what they do. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. Now you know I'm never going to be an actor. You know I'm never going <laughs> to score a film. Yeah. But I've watched both of those courses, and it just gives you this really interesting insight into how other people do things, which yeah. can sometimes motivate you in your own work. Okay, that's handy, isn't it? See people at sort of the top of their trade, you know, how, how yeah. they how they work and their processes. Is, yeah, that would yeah. be... See, so, so you don't even have to learn anything that's relevant to what you're doing, but I find sometimes just applying your mind to something else. Yeah, it's really, so actually one of the places I work is actually in an art space. It's for artists, and I find that artists are quite good. They look at things very differently to the way, mm. say, engineers do. Okay. And it, it's more the creative process, but I, I do find that quite, quite a good environment to be in. And the way they approach work is just, it's just very different. It's good to have that different perspective, isn't it, I think? Oh, absolutely. Okay, so next one then is learning from your own past experiences, whether they're good or bad. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, I've, I've had quite a, a long career now. I'm in my 40s now, you know, and I've got a list which I maintain over the years of all the projects I've worked on that have gone really, really well and why they've gone well and how we achieved it. I also have a list of all the projects that have been absolute disasters. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've got many projects that have been absolute yeah. disasters. Um, yeah, I, could, uh, I mean, it, it's, yeah, I think, was it Mark Cuban had this quote where he said, you only, ha- only have to be successful once and nobody cares about all of the 20 odd failures it had or whatever it was that you had, you know, nobody really, as long as you're successful just the once, you know. I think that's a bit extreme, but, you know, it's, it's, kind, of, it's kind of the point, isn't it? You can fail a hundred times, but you only have to be successful once, don't you, to succeed, you know? Oh, absolutely. But sometimes so, going back and looking over some of those um, successes and failures can actually help with what you're doing at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Especially the failures. I mean, you know, some people get you know, a bit depressed when the project goes south, but normally there's reasons why it's gone south. Yeah, and, and if yeah, you I mean, think about it carefully, you can kind of work out why it went wrong. Yeah. It may not necessarily have been your fault, or it might have been. Does, or it yeah, could have been someone I mean, else, but it just kind of helps you 
learn from those experiences, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I, I can give you an example of a failure. I, I did like a two-way, what they call like a two-way marketplace. It's for people that wanted to hire structural engineers. So people okay. would like post, I need a structural engineer, and structural engineers would bid for that project. Okay. But I, I kind of built it because I thought, oh, that would be useful. Everybody will want that. But I never actually asked anybody if they'd actually pay for it or, or how, right. or, or whether anybody actually needed it. And the problem is customers needed structural engineers, but there was nothing in it for the structural engineers. From, there, was no, there was no incentive for structural engineers to use that website. And obviously customers, you know, members of the public weren't going to pay to advertise for a structural engineer. And then obviously structural engineers weren't, all the good structural engineers were all really busy with work. They didn't need to go onto a jobs board to get right. a job or bid for a project or anything. So they weren't going to pay anything. So there's no way to build revenue. Yeah, it was a complete disaster. And I spent a lot, you know, thousands uh, it must have been like four thousand pounds or something on this site, or oh, it, was, no. it was a lot of money. But that, that's the thing you learn from. You learn from like just because you're excited about an idea doesn't mean anybody else is, you know. Or if you're going to do a two-way market marketplace, you know, m- make sure there's demand for it. And I think it's very hard to, because you've got to market to both sides, to both sides of the market. You've got to market to the structural engineers, and then you have to market to the members of the public, you know. Or you know, if it's a two-way marketplace. You, it's, I think you learn from things like that, don't you? That, that's, it's punishing, Absolutely. but that's, these are the things you, you do learn from. But you need to look at your successes and think, why were they successful? And perhaps it's because something related to some other work people had asked for this product, or you know, why, you think back to why was this product successful and this one wasn't, you know? So the steel beam calculator was successful because I could see a need for it because it sort of stemmed from what I was doing, people kind of asking for it. It was, you know, you could see how that would work, you know? Um, yeah, so I mean, I've had a couple of companies I've worked at, which I could quite happily say are the worst companies I've ever worked for in my life, ever. <laughs> yeah. I won't say who they that, are, that, just in case there's anyone still working there. But That's perhaps a failure then, actually working there. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't great, but what is good is that I can actually look back and look at why that place was so bad. You know, in te- you know how the company was structured, how they were doing their products. And you can kind of learn some valuable lessons from just, you know, this place is so awful because of blah, 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 you know, and I am not going to make those same mistakes myself. Okay, so another one then is sometimes just a change of environment. I mean, we talked about this on our second episode where we were talking about the working environment. Yeah. But sometimes just having a change of scenery can really help energise you to get past any mental roadblocks. Yeah, I find sometimes just being a new, say if you've got a particularly difficult task to do, sometimes just going somewhere different to do it can help. Mm, definitely. Or taking taking a break from your usual work environment, sometimes just that novelty of being somewhere else. Some, sometimes it's awkward because sometimes you can go somewhere and if, if it's not ergonomically great, sometimes, or the Wi-Fi doesn't work or it's too noisy or et cetera, yeah. you know, or it's not comfortable or you're too crammed in or, or whatever, there can be a whole. But sometimes, yeah, you can find that just, just going somewhere else can get you out of your sort of fixed mindset and think think differently. Yeah, I mean, I found that when I was working from home, you know, it was a, no- it was a novelty for six months. But then I really struggled with it and I started feeling like I was having brain fog every day. Yeah. Where yeah, I was just finding it really hard to concentrate, which is why I then looked, you know, going to a co-working space and then ultimately into this office. But, you know, I'm not in this office every day. I'll probably do three days a week. Yeah, here. okay, yeah. I'll yeah. probably work from home one day a week. Another day I'll either work from home, go to a coffee shop or... Yeah, I, I work from mixture. Sometimes I work from home, I work from coffee shops, but I, I work from two co-working spaces, predominantly one at Nottingham and one at Worksworth. Um, but yeah, it's, it's good to have that mixture mm. of different work environments. So an, an, old, an old colleague I used to work with at my last company, I mean, he's just rented an office in Nottingham. So last week, 
I went to his office and I, I worked for the afternoon there. And then oh. when he when he gets back from holiday, he's going to pop down here for a day and work here because we've both got spare desks. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. So sometimes yeah, that, yeah. that just change of scenery just kind of really helps you. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's kind of getting get your thoughts in place. Different perspective, you know. Um, I think it's it's important to, to not get trapped and just think you have to be at work at one location. And the last one I just want to look at then is, you know, leverage other people's ideas. You know, do research on the internet about how people have solved similar problems to what you're trying to do and you know learn from it do what yeah, they're doing I, I think so. I think if you want if you see a person you like what they've done I think if you can sort of emulate what they've what they've done obviously you sometimes have to put your own spin on it and improve upon it but I think you can you can sort of emulate other people's successes by sort of following their lead a little bit you yeah know, I think that's that's important is it I think if you if you talk to people that have done things that you want to do, you know, that's always useful, you know. Um, I have the mastermind group that helps a bit, say if they've done something that they've been successful with, I'll, I'll sort of copy it. Um, I think that's 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 quite important. You've got to network and find the right people that have, you know, or, or just even reading other people's things, isn't it? Like yeah, say, I mean, like even just following. reading, um, you know, interviews online. Yeah, yeah. Or uh, books like uh, Tim Ferriss' Tools for Titans. Okay, yeah, yeah. Is a is, is a really good example. He he's taking the time to interview lots of people about how they, you know, why are they successful at doing what they do. And he's interviewed like, you know, sports personalities, actors, writers, you know, successful businessmen. Yeah, yeah. I've seen the podcast, yeah, a lot of the podcasts, yeah. Yeah. I'll I'll put a link to that book in the show notes. It's called Tools for Titans. It's okay, yeah, yeah. Really, really good. So yeah, so you know, leverage other people's ideas, their ways of working, you know, and kind of learn from how other people solve problems. Yeah, is, uh, uh, is, is a really handy technique. Okay, so we're at the part of the show where we're going to recommend our pick of the week. Okay. Uh, so do you want to go first? Uh, yeah, actually this is quite quite sort of relevant to this uh, podcast. Um, I'd like to rec- recommend a book by Cal Newport called Deep Work. And it's, it's all about the importance of, of focusing on what, what he refers to as like deep work. Because a lot of work is kind of... Um, faffing or not important but deep work is where you really put all your mental effort into concentrating on one particular you know being in the zone and being in that sort of really productive zone where you're getting lots done and I think it's it's really important to sort of do that sometimes sometimes you need to just you know to get get a task done you have to really really concentrate and it requires a lot of effort this sort of thing about the you know the book doing the sort of you can only concentrate for four hours really deeply each day you know so I think you have to really use that um, and also, what it realizes is that I think something like your your brain is only a very small percentage of your body, but it uses twenty five percent of your energy. Okay. So if you're thinking really deeply about what you you're doing, a lot of work, you know, you, you know, physically you're doing a lot of work. So I think it's important to really concentrate. I mean, I always and, find that I'm for, for doing the, the harder tasks. I'm always more productive at doing those in the morning. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm a bit of a mixture, really. I'm not a. I tend to have to have eaten. I don't know why. It must be I've got more blood sugars or something. Yeah, yeah, maybe. But I mean, I, you know, if, if I'm scripting or doing anything kind of more complex, I tend to do that in the morning, and then in the afternoon I do some of the easier tasks. So like, no, you know, probably the reverse. I think I, I tend to do after lunchtime. I do my most difficult work sort of between okay, one and five o'clock. But that's that's just me. I do do work in the morning as well. You know, I might, but it's more sort of working out what I'm going to do for the day. You know, and and sort emails out and perhaps. Uh, Plan or thinking. Actually, no, I do do deep work because I sort of think what I'm going to do, you know. So there is some, some cognitive work there. 
Yeah, so I find I'm, I'm more productive in the morning for the harder tasks, but then in the afternoon I'll do things like, you know, editing the podcast is a, a, okay, good, a good task yeah. that I do in the afternoon because it's fairly mechanical. I've got templates that I use for doing it, so I'll do that in the afternoon. Yeah, doing think... the video editing for my courses I tend to do in the afternoon, but the actual writing and recording I'll do in the morning. Yeah, I think you do tend to get into a routine of, day, yeah. of doing things a certain way. Okay, so my recommendation uh, is a website or website rather, called Blinkist.com. That's B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T.com. And this is absolutely brilliant service. It's a book summary service. Okay, yeah. So they, they kind of pitch it as people that are too busy to sit down and read complete books all the time. I'm not sure um, I like that. <laughs> well, no, no, it, it, hear me out. So what, what, what the site does, it takes like popular books and it summarises them down to their core message in about 20 minutes. Okay. And you can either listen to that as like a podcast through their, through their audio player or you can read it as an article now I'm not saying you know this replaces books it, it doesn't but if you're just wanting to you know you're doing a walk and you want to be inspired by some new ideas you can go and listen to this summary and it will give you the, you know, the fundamental important information from that book but then you know if you're absolutely fascinated by that you can then go on and read the book if you want to okay yeah, yeah I might but I found you. this really good especially if I'm travelling you know I'll just sometimes I'll just pick a book in a completely random area which I wouldn't normally look at Okay, yeah. And just pick up some new new insights. It's like having a book summarised down into a blog post. Yeah, like behind you, do you do the audio or do you do the... I just the, do the audio because you can download them for offline. So if I'm on a plane or a train or I go for a that's walk, a good idea, so, yeah. sometimes I'll listen to the summaries. Have you have you gone and subsequently read the full version of the book? A few books I have, yeah. Yeah, so it has, yeah. So perhaps books you might not have read otherwise. Yeah, or... so I think actually the four-hour work week, I actually... Went, first started off by just listening to the summary of it, oh, just, okay. just, to, just to get a gist of whether I thought it was going to be any good or not. That's and, good and then idea, I went yeah. on to read the so full book. before you buy, isn't it, like that? Absolutely. And, you know, it's a paid-for service. There's a seven-day free trial, and then it costs uh, $79.99 a year or $12.99 a month. Okay, yeah. But for me, I mean, I, I just pay it yearly just because I have got to deal with so many receipts. But mm-hmm. it's uh, a fantastic service, and I highly recommend it. Yeah, yeah, worth a look, isn't it? Yeah, I'll check that out. Great, so... We come to the end of the episode, so thanks a lot, Kevin. Okay, thank it's been, you. It's been an interesting discussion. So I wanted to talk about kind of mental roadblocks because it's kind of a, a few hurdles I've had to overcome myself, which yeah, is why it sounds, it sounds like it. Which is why I wrote the original blog post, and I thought it'd be interesting to talk about it because I'm pretty sure other people probably suffer from the same problems. I'm sure, yeah, yeah. So great, thanks, Kevin, and uh, we'll be back in two weeks. Okay, thank you, guys. I'll see you again next week. See ya. <laughs>